Hi everybody, this is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. There once was a small American town, and although it sat in the forgotten corner of a giant city, it was much like any other small community around America. Everyone knew everyone else's name and everyone's business. Instead of a stream or a brook, we had the fire hydrant. We didn't have farmer's markets, but we did have a well-stocked bodega. And rather than sitting on the front porch to watch the little world fall by, we sat on our stoops. You know, it seems like an ancient time, like it was some lost city. It was like I had watched it all from the stoops of Atlantis. I used to see her from my back window. She looked best dressed in her pink gown in May and June, but her green was just as alluring. She peeked at me, our head peering over that well-constructed brick wall. I was five and I was in love. I dreamt of her once, a prophetic dream filled with mythic images. Again, I was five, but that dream, like many other dreams and memories, remained clear and detailed on the inner movie screen in my head. There was a slide, a long, winding slide like in a playground that ran from my third floor window to that Eden on the other side of the wall, and in my dream I took the ride. It was smooth and wondrous, and I landed beside a small pond surrounded by bushes of pink and purple blossoms. Her thick trunk was a few feet away, and I stood under her canopy. A gentle snowfall of pink petals fell and coated the surface of the pond. She was a crabapple tree. Although I did not know that detail at the time, my dad told me it was an apple tree, and this tree was going to be mine. Mine to climb and pick apples and fill a wagon that I can pull. You see, we were moving. From a crowded railroad apartment, we'd be moving three buildings west, where we would have two whole floors and a backyard. This was a dream in that young heart of mine, and my dad was thrilled to be able to tell me it was coming true. I lived in that crabapple tree for the next 10 years. She was a big tree for a Mala Silvestris, probably 35 feet tall with a canopy that covered the entire width of the yard. Her trunk had a Y shape and her branches rose and twisted in ways that seemed to be designed for climbing. Or, or maybe I just had mastered her paths. For the first year or so, there was a dead shift stick-like dead branch with a knobby top that provided an assist when, when pulling myself up onto the first step of the climb. But like training wheels on a bike, that branch broke off one day. No matter, I had been trained and I no longer needed it. I think she was challenging me. The tree became my first clubhouse. Joe, Christopher, and Scott would spend hours climbing its branches, working our way up to the pinnacle she offered, twin Y-shaped crow's nests, where two of us could sit and well, talk about whatever 11-year-olds talked about. Once we cut down a bunch of branches from an overgrown sting tree, and with Joe's design, built a really basic treehouse. It just had walls of branches with leaves that smelled like cat piss, but it provided enough camouflage to hide a copy of Joe's Playboy mag, which my dad found and scolded him for. But she didn't need the branches of an Atlantis tree to make her a home. There was the coziness of her embrace as we sat in her lap high over the yard, watching the cats do their things below.
I learned while writing this podcast that the scientific name for the crabapple tree, Malus sylvestris, means forest apple. The trees in Europe grew wild at the edges of entrances to forests, and the wild ones had thorns. How cool would it have been to have read that when I was a kid? The tree that had inspired my imagination on so many levels was from a heritage of trees that led the way into deep and dark forests where great tales and adventures took place. They stood guard, thorns at the ready, while adventurers wandered past, perhaps loading up with the fruit to keep them strong, battling the ogres and skeletons that haunted the woods beyond. That same fruit gave me the nourishment I needed for my own youthful adventures, and during July and August, the main goal was picking its special fruit. And it was a fruit that was not for everyone. If you like sour, I mean sour to the point where your mouth went dry, then the crab apple was for you. But the real connoisseur tasted more than just sour. That layer just below the bright red and pale green skin was sweet, and that sweetness just rounded out the attack of sour that lay beyond. They were small, especially the ones that grew on the lower, easier-to-reach branches. Many a day was spent picking and eating these fruit as the summer sun illuminated her leaves like green lanterns. My sister Debbie once, or maybe twice, got sick eating one too many crab apples, and I think that happened to all of us. My mom and dad told me that there was a thing called crab apple jelly. Well, that just blew me away. I mean, I wanted to try to make some from my own apples. Well, I never took the steps to make it. In fact, I can't recall ever even tasting crab apple jelly. I think I'm going to have to check Amazon and order some. One day, Joe and I were up in the tree peeking out on the red treasures. And Joe said, you know, my favorite fruit in the world are crab apples. I felt a certain pride. Joe's older than me, and he was always like an older brother. A brother whose opinion and approval I valued. They were my favorite fruits as well. The top of the tree on branches that were far out past the ends of the climbing limbs, or where the big bunches of bigger and redder apples grew. These were the holy grails of crab apples. But no matter how hard I tried, even extending my arm from the topmost seat I could climb, those special apples were out of our reach. She was testing me again, challenging me. You see, there was this, still this pole branch to conquer. The pole branch, as I called it, was a long, straight-up, smooth limb of the tree with no footrest or hand-grab branches growing off it. At the top was a dangerous, tilted V of branches that I guess I could sit in if I made it up. It scared me, though. Joe never climbed it, nor Scott or Chris. We all shimmied up to the V, but we were always a little intimidated to pull ourselves on, onto that V branch with its devilish angle that threatened to just drop us down to the concrete below. So I took a rake up the tree. I climbed to my favorite belvedere and was handed the garden tool by Scott. Reaching out, now with a longer arm that ended with potent metal claws, I was able to snag one of the loaded branches, and with a pull and a snap, a rain of plump, bright red crab apples descended to the pebble-infused concrete floor of the back of my yard. And we pigged out, and they were amazing. A few weeks later, we had the hankering for some more of the tangy mini-apples, and up again we went, rake in hand. A reach, a grab, a shake and a pull, and like the apples descending towards the dome of Isaac Newton, they rained down. We each took one of the brilliant red fruits in hands and took bites. Ugh! We all spat in unison. The interior of the apples were dry, crumbly, and gross. It was like biting into an old bone-dry sponge you find under the sink. We had made our own Newtonian discovery. 
late summer crab apples look luscious on the outside, but are grossitating on the inside. Soon after, a green dress of summer made way to our autumn getup of orange, yellow, and brown. Then, standing naked in the winter, asleep, she was made beautiful by the coating of white through January and February. Then as spring awoke, she did as well, soon to don that stunning pink gown again. In recent years, she rotted at the trunk and needed to be cut down. I was glad I was not there to witness that. About 10 years ago, I had made a donation to the Arbor Day Society, and they sent me 10 trees, well, 10 sticks, and I planted them hoping I would, you know, have luck with at least one of them, and well, that's exactly what happened. Nine of them went nowhere, they, they shriveled and died, but one grew and grew, and I had no idea what kind of a tree it was, until one day a flower, and then a little tiny apple, it was a crab apple tree. The only one of the ten that had made it was a crabapple tree, a Malice Sylvestris. She was following me in her new incarnation. I do have a memento of her, a hunk, a branch, and I would guess it was from that challenging pole branch that I never conquered. It will be there in front of my fireplace, never to burn, but to remind me of those magical days climbing a magic tree on the yard side of those stoops of Atlantis. Then all I gotta say God didn't make little green apples It don't rain in Indianapolis in the summertime And there's no such thing as Dr. Seuss Disneyland, Mother Goose is no nursery rhyme God didn't make little green apples It don't rain in Indianapolis in the This has been The Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future episodes as we journey back to that ancient mythical land that actually existed, East Harlem. And please join the Stoops of Atlantis Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. See you next time.